Hey, Empty Nesters, it's Steven, producer of Empty Nest Guest. On this episode, Charlotte talks with Michelle Van Loon, author of Becoming Sage, Cultivating Maturity, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife, published by Moody Publishers. In chapter eight of her book, Michelle shares about her own journey through the Valley of Depression. Most empty nesters experience bouts of the blues. But how do we know where midlife Malaysia ends and depression begins? Michelle also shares about spiritual apathy, also known as acedia. Sometimes our soul is wary as we empty nest, but thankfully God is at work with our emotions. In him and with him, there is hope. I just want to pause and thank you guys so much for tuning in to our season two of Empty Nest Guests. Me and Charlotte and the team here appreciate it so, so much. If you guys can just do me uh, one more favor and just leave us a comment, you know, subscribe, send this to a friend. It helps us out a lot going forward um, with this podcast. But without a further ado, let me introduce to you your host and my boss, Smiley Winky Face, Charlotte Guest. Welcome, Empty Nesters. So great to have you guys back today, and you are in for a treat today. I could not put a book down called Becoming Sage, and we have the author on today, Michelle Van Loon. Hello, Michelle. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, it's such a treat and an honor, and we're going to be talking about this wonderful book, and, and we're going to hone in on a chapter in the book. Um, the title is called Becoming Sage, Cultivating Maturity, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife, and it's published by Moody Publishers. And this wonderful book caught my eye um, through a dear friend that her church was actually studying this book. And Michelle, tell us about a little bit about how the book came to be and how you thought about it, because I love that her whole church was studying about this book. I kind of loved hearing that too. All right, scratch the kind of. I totally loved hearing Yay. that as well. <laughs> um, I wrote the book to spark conversation, both in, in church and small group settings, and also, especially for individuals. And I've heard from lots of individuals who've read it. Um, kind of the, the premise of the book is that we are really good in the church at talking about helping kids to grow up in the faith and launching new believers in their faith journeys. But then because we don't talk much about the second half of life, not as much as I think the topic merits, we end up um, kind of with people assuming that whatever you learned when you were young, you should just keep doing it. Kind of the lather, rinse, repeat yes. idea. <laughs> that there's some truth to the basic kind of spiritual disciplines. Absolutely. They, they continue to form and reform us, but spiritual growth changes as we get older. We're not asking the same questions. We're not facing the same thing. I know Charlotte, as you're dealing with empty nest 
themes definitely that's not something that you're thinking about when you're 21. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. And you know, it's funny. I'll catch myself, Michelle. Like I, I had an answer for something for my husband the other night and he was like, I just love that. He said, I think we would have handled this whole thing differently in our thirties. And we both just laughed and thought, aren't we glad we're not there really? Yes. Well, I mean, you kind of are there because those experiences have formed who you are, but a lot of us get stuck Yes. Um, or we kind of top out at a point or we continue to grow and there isn't language around what that growth looks and feels like. And so people end up leaving the church. You know, we, we heard a few years ago um, about, oh, the big exodus of millennials from the church. And we, the statistics were out there and there were lots and lots of articles written. But when I dove into the statistics, I discovered that people who were older, midlife and beyond, were leaving at the same or even higher rates than millennials. Um, they were just kind of fading away or downshifting or not not staying engaged for lots of reasons. And so um, it's not just it's not just our kids that are struggling. A lot of us struggle too. And I wanted to address that and well I loved how you did it and you guys that are listening I loved every chapter I've highlighted reread it it's also on audible and I love the audible because you can listen and feel like you can even I don't know sometimes if you do a book and you read it and do audible you grab different things but there are so many topics for the second half of our lives. And, and I agree with you. One thing, Michelle, you said we are in the beginning of rejuvenating opportunities. We can experience God uniquely and become whole and real. And listeners, Michelle even addresses one of my favorite children's books of all time is The Velveteen Rabbit. And Michelle, I loved how you, you talked about that in the book. It was wonderful. I I was surprised to find out that the author of that book, if you haven't read it, um, you can grab it from your library, but most of us um, probably are familiar with it. It's a, it's a classic book. It was written nearly a hundred years ago or in, in about that time. I don't have the exact date of publication in my brain right now, but um, as much and as relevant as it is to children about a a beloved stuffed animal that gets worn and worn out and used up and then thrown away. And only then does that, does that little stuffed bunny become real. It's actually a book for those of us who are in the second half of our lives in very profound ways. So well, that's and you, you let that right. come to it's life for us write more about it in, in the book. But. Yeah. I just love how you made that. It made sense to me. I thought, you know, as my body ages, my face ages, my, I'm not quite the same, but I thought, but I am more real now at this age than I have been in a long time. And it's taken a lot of work and I, I want to impart some things that I've learned from others to other people and that was just a great analogy. That's what most of us are, are sure hoping to want to be in our, in our encore years. And that's just real. Um, but listeners, chapters in this great 
insightful book about empty nesting and midlife. It's the role of the family, church, friends. Michelle, you do address our bodies, and I love it. Thank you for that. Um, vocation, finances, um, God's word, and rich scripture, and wonderful statistics are interwoven in all the chapters. So um, please look it up. And before we dive in, listeners, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk. Um, Michelle's going to be very real with us, and I am so grateful to her. We're going to talk about um, chapter eight of her book, and within that book, she has her own journey through depression. We're going to talk about the blues and a new word, acedia, that I heard about from Michelle. But Michelle, before you dive in about some of this, um, the other questions I'm going to ask, will you tell us about you and kind of where you live and just a little bit about your bio? I live right now in Sarasota, Florida. And um, I'm wearing shorts and there are white puffy clouds in the sky and it's very warm and beautiful. And um, that feels like such a gift. I, I'm from the Chicago area, spent most of my life there. So I know a thing or two about shoveling and ice and more ice and more snow. Um, I am married. I've been married for 41 years. I have three adult children, two grandchildren who live too far away. They're in Chicago. And um, I've been writing most of my adult life. Um, Becoming Sage is my sixth book. Um, wonderful. I've, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I've been on staff at a church. I've worked at a college. I've been a seminary student. Um, I just been lots of places but you well, know what by this point in our lives most of us have most of your listeners probably have that same kind of story of a resume that includes a lot of different life experiences and that's a wonderful thing and you covered a lot of that in your book and and I also love how God's really used you to write um, and, and different, even just articles, not just books. So tell us about your website so people can go there before we jump into these questions. And you can look up um, Empty Nesters. You can look up her articles, her other books, different things that she's done. And you will want to read the writings of Michelle. She is, has a gift and I want to share it with you. So tell us about your website, Michelle. Well, it's super kind of you. Thank you for those nice words. You can find out. I, I like to tell people, I just have a lot to say. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> if you, if you go to my website, you'll be like, Whoa, she was not kidding. My name is Michelle Van Loon, two L's in Michelle and Van and Loon are just like the car and just like the bird. And, um, on that website, there's links to articles I've written for Christianity Today and In Touch Magazine, a lot of other places. I also have a separate website that's aimed at midlife women and men, um, kind of just touching on some of the different spiritual topics from a lot of different voices. I'm not the only one writing there. I'm just the one who started it. Um, along with a friend, and that is called the perennialgen.com. Great. And so, um, yeah. And so we'll have to have a podcast on there, Michelle, maybe. Maybe you can pop yes, a podcast will. on there. <laughs> you bet. Well, it'll go there. I, I, I kind of do a lot of cross-pollination because 
you know, people in one place don't necessarily pick up this, the information and the perennial gen readers are the ones that will be interested to, to know about this. Oh, so, that's wonderful. And, well, you know, Michelle and I were talking about the gift of technology, how wonderful it is that, you know, she can be in Sarasota when I talk to her in the middle of a polar vortex in Tulsa and we can connect and then she can share this with listeners from who knows where. I had a wonderful email from a lady in Germany. So Germany listener, thank you for making my day because it it lets us know that the words that we talk about go all over and are helpful everywhere. That is what we want to do here. So Michelle, I really appreciate your vulnerability, first of all, um, to talk about your journey through depression. Um, the chapter of, of I mean, the, the title of chapter eight is called Happiness is Spelled with a U, and it says the essential task of nurturing emotional and spiritual health. Tell me what you mean by happiness is spelled with a U, and can you talk to us a little bit about just your thoughts about that chapter? That's I was surprised to, to learn that kind of that, that sense of, of depression that often creeps in at midlife, it gets characterized a lot of times as like, oh, that's just part of a midlife crisis, or that's just part of changing hormones, or that goes along with an empty nest. All of that may be true, but there is actually a, a clinical observable name for this and it's called the u-curve and it is not just an american thing it's not just a western thing i was very surprised to find out that as we move into our 40s and early 50s there's this kind of dip in happiness um that sometimes could become very serious. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not just that you have the blues. It's not just that your body is changing or maybe your marriage is coming to an end. Your kids are leaving. Maybe your, your workplace situation is changing. All of those changes happen, but there's also a kind of a, a social and physiological experience that goes along with that, that goes beyond those causes into something deeper. And it is everywhere. I found one researcher, I'm, I'll read from the book actually, because he sums it up really well. He said, whether in the United States or Saudi Arabia, Zimbabwe or Moldova, happiness dips in the forties. This researcher named Andrew Oswald said, you cannot blame middle-aged misery on circumstances since the researchers controlled for factors such as unemployment, health problems, and divorce. Mm -hmm. Rather, he said, it is something deep inside that causes this malaise, almost as though we're wired for misery. Now, put that, overlay that with the messages that we have heard often at church that our lives are supposed to be victorious and mm -hmm. overflowing with joy. And you will find that there's at that point, there's, there's a conflict. Where do you go? How do you, how do we talk about the fact that you may be struggling with some 
disorientation or some honest to goodness clinical depression at this point of your life. And you and did so such a great job with that, Michelle, in the book, because I love how you mentioned that a friend said to you, she was just kind of weary of it all. And, she, you know, it looked like she had this wonderful, full life that all of us would think, oh, the kids are fine. She's on some boards. She's busy here. And yet, you know, what a great thing, first of all, that she would confess that and we can be real and talk about it. But what is the term acedia? I was, I, I love Scrabble and words, and that was a word that I have never heard of. And I was shocked that as a, a writer and a reader, I didn't know about that word. Can you tell us about acedia? I can. I actually, in the chapter, when I talk about that U curve, I talk about the difference between depression, um, honest to goodness, clinical depression that that may mean that you need to seek out medical care or a counselor to walk and talk through. Sometimes we need a little bit of an adjustment that way. And um, acedia, which is a very old word that was used in the church to describe um, at one time, it was used mostly to point to spiritual laziness or sloth, but it it really kind of describes just that feeling of, I can do my spiritual life on autopilot and no one will know. Mm -hmm. And um, we've all been there um, at, at one time or another. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you may find that there's some points of your life that kind of go there. In midlife, especially if we've been active in church and working on raising our kids and all of that, we may actually struggle with that sense of disconnection from God and from our spiritual lives. We know what we're supposed to do, but we kind of can do it without really feeling deep engagement. Well, it's like yeah. you, you got to check the box. And and listeners, uh, Michelle and I had a really wonderful phone conversation kind of getting ready for this um, podcast about how she and I both were raised, you know, pretty similarly. And there was a lot of things that we should do and a lot of rules and formulas. And so we both were kind of wired to we were just kind of doing some things that we didn't even know if we're supposed to be in it, but yet that's what um, the Christian culture was at the time to do this. And this will be, you'll have perfect kids and do this thing and everyone will, and, and you, you do get weary. Um, I, I was weary. Well, some of it is performance, mm -hmm. you know, that we learn how to perform um, religiously and some of it, it, if we're hitting that point where things kind of are starting to feel a little meaningless and um, maybe we're dealing with clinical depression, maybe we're dealing with spiritual depression or acedia, um, it, it's worth interrogating those things. I believe that God has built into this time of great change in our lives that ability for us to think through um, with him and to seek him more deeply so that we're more honest about who we are. Formulas 
will only carry us so far. They're the training wheels on our faith. They are not meant to carry us across the finish line. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a young believer and you're starting out and you're learning all of these things, I, I think we do ourselves a favor if we were more honest all along about, um, you know, what, what the spiritual life is and isn't. Um, sometimes I think we, we um, drift towards over-promising with those formulas in ways that kind of set us ourselves up for failure. Mm -hmm. God wants us to grow. He is standing there at the bottom of that U-curve um, waiting to meet us and um, helping us to be able to go forward with greater honesty and um, integrity. And, and a purpose that he wants us to carry out that may look very different than someone's purpose. And that's where I see some friends really having a hard time right now is they're just praying for purpose and what, what they're supposed to be doing. And as you and I've talked about, Michelle, we had, you know, this COVID horrible pandemic time and then this weather, it's been awful. There's a lot of people in this midlife malaise that are, are just having a, a tough time and praying for purpose. And, and yet you had a journey that was deeper. Can you, can you walk us through kind of what you went yeah. through? So briefly, there, um, in my early 40s, there was a chain of losses in our, my life. Our, our kids were leaving home. We were dealing with mental illness in our family, extended family. We were dealing with um, a relocation, a church implosion. Um, my mom died in a kind of a dramatic and traumatic way. Mm. Um, and so all of those things, you know, you think, well, if I just kind of try and power through um, say enough Bible verses, continue the spiritual disciplines that I've relied on, you know, I'll make it through. But um, at one point, I was, I found myself entertaining um, thoughts of suicide. I just couldn't bear to be alive anymore. I was tired. I was confused. God felt like he was a million miles away. Um, and so actually that experience started my journey first of all to sit down with a counselor and to get some help but also to try to figure out what was happening in my life because i was hearing variations of it from a lot of friends who were in their early 40s mid 40s um my age peers at the time i'm 61 now okay. so i've walked out these things for a good long time um at this point of my life. And so I understand, but there was no one there to explain to me or help me to interpret what was going on rightly and to understand this feels weird, but there's something normal and God's at work in this, in this valley of the shadow, mm -hmm. um, just like he was in the sunlight. Uh, and you know, it, it's so timely yesterday at church, um, our, our sermon was actually on this very topic about just the word forsaken that comes up. Like you said, you know, God, are you here? Are you in this? And just listeners, I just want to remember those of you that are listening to this and you may be feeling that way. 
that you can read in the Psalms about David feeling that very same way and Mark feeling that way, uh, Mark, Mark writing about Jesus feeling that way. They both use that word. They feel forsaken. There was David had a deep journey through depression and through the valley. And Michelle, I loved that you you really help in the book talk about um, the the different things that you need to do as far as counseling. There's medication and there's also medication that can exacerbate depression and anxiety. And you really cover a lot of things. So listeners, if you're kind of wondering where you are um, on this malaise or depression, this book is really going to help. And I just encourage you to, to tap in. But Michelle, through the journey with the counselor, like how did you see yourself kind of coming up that you curve yourself? She was very helpful in um, helping me to name some of the grief that I was experiencing. Um, a lot of times when we go through transition, it was helpful for me to understand that transition is just another word for grief. And in some ways is our entire, not just America, but the entire world in, in the, now that we're a year into COVID, the experience, we've all had losses. We've all had changes. We've all suffered from feelings of forsakenness and isolation. And to recognize that grief is in all of that mm -hmm. and that we are not alone in that grief, that God is there as well, even in the darkness. He says in Psalm 139, the darkness is not dark to him. And that is very encouraging. It's helpful to understand that about a third of the Psalms depending on who's doing the counting, are, are psalms of lament. Mm -hmm. That there is space for our humanity in scripture. Um, that we get that whole picture of what being a human being is as we read through the pages and as we walk with Jesus. Well, and I'm glad you brought the word lament up because I agree with you a hundred percent that that is something that we Christians of today need to know about what that is. And there's Psalms of lament. Can you talk about that for just a minute for people who might not be familiar with the word lament? Absolutely. Lament is a, a cry to God and it can sound pretty angry. It can sound like, God, where are you? That sense of forsakenness that you, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. But just by, by the fact that the various psalmists voiced those things, it was a way of continuing to stay connected with God. He knows nothing that you are saying or feeling is going to freak him out. He, he knows. And for me, I believed that that was true as I went through those, those first years of being in midlife. I knew it was true in my head theoretically, but the experience of going into the valley of the shadow, into that U-curve, um, and 
and recognizing that this is what it is. I'm not going to be able to formula what my way out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to power my way out of it or slap a couple of quick Bible verses on it and make it all better. Um, I was just going to have to, to walk and sometimes to stop and grieve mm -hmm. and, um, and just to, to recognize that God was at work in the process. He is at work in the process. You know, he is. And, you know, I told you uh, when we talked for just a little bit on the phone that the only um, place I've been in remotely near that, but nothing um, with clinical depression, this was, clin I would say clinical anxiety, postpartum clinical anxiety, where I just could not get the day going. I knew something was wrong. There were a lot of kind of weepy, little, some tears. Um, and it was a hard place for me because I had to stop breastfeeding and had to stop doing some things that I thought all these other moms that are going to be better than me because they can do this better and they're doing momhood better. And we just do that to ourselves. And it was uh, a really, a really hard time that involved some shame. And like, I am a strong Christian and why can't I power through? And, and you're right, Michelle, like friends who were just there that didn't like spout off all these things I needed to do. I was trying, but I needed, I needed help of a counselor. I needed help of medication and I needed a whole lot of rest. And so what would you speak to? How about some rest for you during that time? What did that look like? That's, that's exactly the truth. Now, for those of us that is, especially if you're working and you're raising kids and you're go, go, going, super involved in church or your community or at your kids' schools or whatever your life looked like, you don't even realize how depleted you are and how um, disorienting it is not to be doing all of those things. And the, the loss, you know, I have one friend who said um, her kids were really involved in like choir kinds of things throughout their high school years, lots of performances, lots of traveling. And she said that first year after everyone was done, she said, I realized how much of my life was filled with that in the people that were there. And it gave me a sense of community. And now that was gone because there was no reason for me to be involved in that mm -hmm. way anymore. And, you know, all of those, all of those losses are, are profound and they need to be honored. And um, I'm hoping that as more and more people have conversations about what it's like to grow in and through these times, they'll recognize this is what growth looks like, even if it kind of looks like pruning. It is pruning. It is pruning and pruning can be a blessed, wonderful thing. There are things we need pruned out so that we can grow into the purpose that God has for us. And just like if you want the, that flower to grow and be beautiful on that vine, you've got to get off some of the stuff that's holding it back. And I, that's a great analogy. Thank you for sharing that. It, it's, it's right up there with the velvet, velveteen rabbit for me, because you want to be real and you want to grow during this phase. And that's why I wanted to have this podcast. Um, Michelle, as you and I were talking to about, you know, you 
you don't want to have the slap of Bible verse from the people that are not well-meaning, but you do need you do need community when you're combating this acedia and malaise and depression. You do need people around you, and you need um, those at the church to to be supporting you, so we don't deal with shame in this time. Can you talk about that just a little bit about community and just other things that we need to help us get through this hard time? Well, sometimes church can be the hardest place to be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people have had that experience, or at least that's how it feels. But it's worth asking God. There might, it might not be a whole group of people. It probably won't be, but um, there may be one person mm-hmm. that you can be honest with. There are people even if they're not in your community, um, we're, we've all been forced to live on Zoom and, um, you know, connect via online groups. There's lots of places that may be a place that you can find um, someone to say, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing I've found has been helpful in recent years, um, I I'm not seeing a counselor anymore, but I see a spiritual director um, and the spiritual director um, for those who, who don't know, that's, a, that could be a whole conversation about how to find one and what their role is, but um, it's somebody who can walk with you and notice what God is doing in your life. Some of us have mentors that serve that role. Some of us yes. have more mature friends that serve that role. Um, I actually found it helpful to have somebody who's not part of my life, who's just kind of there to listen to God with me and for me, um, and to be able to call out if, you know, um, I, I have a chronic rare illness. And, um, so this pandemic has been especially hard and this, this person who's a professional spiritual director um, and teaches part-time at a seminary, she she actually has a relative with the same illness that I have, oh my which gosh. I, I didn't imagine when I started, started my relationship with her. And so she's been able to speak into my life um, about kind of some of the things that I'm facing that are different than they would be for other people. You know, I'll be one of the last people back in a church building, for example, because Mm -hmm. I don't have a functioning immune system. So, um, and she gets it and she's been helpful in helping me to understand kind of how, how to navigate with God and with other people in ways that I am not smart enough on my own to Uh figure out. I second that a thousand percent. And and empty nesters, if this is your first episode of empty nest guests that you've ever t- tuned into, I want you to go back to season one and look for one. I wish I knew exactly um, which episode, but there's one where I talk with my spiritual mentor, uh, Michelle. Her name is Shirley, and we talk about purpose and finding your purpose. And she's 84 years young. And she is my director. She's, um, I don't know what I'd do without her. She listens to God for me. I trust her to tell me hard things that I need to hear. 
And it's been a, a huge blessing in my growing up out of, you know, just one decade into the next. She's helping me with pruning and, and becoming wiser. And it's been one of the greatest blessings. And the other episode, um, Empty Nesters, tune in to the one with my accountability partner. And that is a different kind of thing. We're walking side by side with each other, really keeping each other accountable for things. But that's different than a director. But I, I believe we need these people to help we us do. combat acedia. <laughs> yes. And totally, Mich totally. Yes. And, and Michelle, what a neat thing that God gave you that person that happened to have the person with the same health issue, you know, or would know yeah. about it. I mean, isn't that just like God? It's, it, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm super grateful, but I'm grateful for those ones that are walking alongside of me. I'm grateful mm -hmm. for the ones that used to be in my life. Friendships change as we hit this point in our life. And sometimes the people that we think are going to be the ones walking through the, down the U curve with us, for example, they may not be the ones. So there may be someone else that's in the wings or that's been at the margins that may be the right, right companion to be able to journey with you. Oh, Michelle, I'm so glad you mentioned that because as I was looking, I thought I've, I've got to ask if you can come back on again. I really, my initial thought empty nesters was to have Michelle on to talk about the chapter about women friends. And she spells out things so beautifully about what you think and how friendships change and how we can welcome new friends. And, and another thought, this is a total dovetail, but Michelle, as you mentioned, it may just be one person. I think the older we get, the more it's meant to me to go deeper with, with fewer people. And, yeah. and that just seems to happen. But the best model of friendship to me, I studied this one time and I wish I could remember the book. It was, if you look at Jesus's life, he was really close to two or three in the garden and they even let him down. You know, they couldn't stay awake and pray. Those were his best friends. They let him down, but then he kind of had a little bit of a inner circle. And then he had 12 that he could keep up with that really turned into 11. And empty nesters, you cannot keep up with, you know, 30 people every day. And he needed the trusted inside and he needed a margin, but it wasn't, it wasn't this huge mass of people. And what do you think about that, Michelle? It's definitely true. And we, we know this now, if you're an introverted type and you're wired for, you know, to, to recharge alone or just, um, you know, to get your energy just from a few, you know, small, but deeply meaningful, small number, but deeply meaningful relationships. This is not um, a newsflash to you. I am a huge extrovert. And I knew this in my head, but I've learned it in my soul over the last 15 years or so. And boy, I, I'm turning into that with you too. I, I'm a huge, like every every check mark would be extrovert, 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 but I have to have a, 
introvert recharge day at least every Monday. I usually don't do anything. I'm home recharging and have said a lot of words because Michelle, I'm a talker like you are. Like I have a lot to say, but I'm learning that those recharge times are, I just want Jesus to be my best friend during this phase of life. And I have to find that time to just carve out to listen to him. Um, and as we're getting close to wrapping this up, um, Michelle, you and I also talked about the importance of recognizing spiritual warfare as you're dealing with some depression and malaise and acedia. And I didn't want to leave without you touching on that for a minute. And then I want to tell Nestors again where they can go and find out more about you as we wrap up. So tell us about a little bit about the warfare that, that you see and that you've written about and depression. Well, I, I think to recognize, um, it, since you and I have come from the same kind of uh, growing up um, in the first half of our adulthood, Charlotte, you, you know, mm -hmm. at least the circles I was in, there was a big emphasis on spiritual warfare, um, almost a lopsided emphasis on spiritual warfare. And sometimes you can get so swept up in the big picture of, of kind of clash of titans kind of drama with that, that you can miss the, the reality that there is an enemy that wants to pull your soul from communion with God. Yes. And if you can recognize that, and to recognize that this is not a fight that you can fight alone. And it can be very depleting um, to, to realize that you're in this battle. You know, you can swirl together. We can talk about spiritual depression. We can talk about chemical and physical depression. And there's also that there is an enemy that wants to oppress us. And so that is a part of the equation too. And it's, it's worth paying attention to or remembering that, not necessarily in the big dramatic, mm -hmm. but in um, the depletion of feeling disconnected from God. And um, thank and you. You're 1000% right. And I just wanted to make sure that listeners knew that Michelle does a great job of, of talking about that. And as, as we wrap up here, I just hope listeners that you will quickly buy Michelle's book. Um, it's available many, many places. Michelle, is there a best place where they can find your book by Moody Press? Well, a lot of us go to ye old Amazon. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can go to Moody Publishers and order it from them. Um, a lot of times they'll have nice discounts available, especially like if a, if a group like a Bible study group or a book group wants to go through it, it might be better actually to try Moody and see what kind of discounts they have for um, group discounts. But Barnes and Noble has, you know, all all the places that sell books these days. Great. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, listeners, our small group, my very own personal small group, we have five couples, husbands, wives. We are all 
actually doing Michelle's book as a study, and she has discussion questions at the end of each chapter. And Michelle, it is so awesome to hear how some of the men answer and the women answer, and we're doing it together. And I just want to, I'm glad I can thank you kind of personally that our small group is doing it. So we're, we're thrilled about that. That's so cool. Well, and I just, as I recap today, listeners, I just want to thank um, Michelle. We've been so blessed to have you, author of Becoming Sage and writer extraordinaire. She's just amazing. And please go to her website, michellevanloon.com. We will have, um, this will be, it's, look at the bottom of the notes too, after you log off of the podcast, we should have everything in the notes with Michelle's website, mine, and if you have any, any further questions, just let us know, but um, Michelle, I would love to say my little parting thought, and then I want you to kind of close out our listeners. I just don't want any listener to feel that they ever have to be alone if they're struggling with the blues or malaise or acedia. Um, dive into Michelle's book, and and it takes a really strong person to go to counseling. That is something that someone helped me understand when I've needed counseling in my life. Is it takes it takes someone strong. You're not weak to go do that. And the best you is worth fighting for. Um, how about some parting thoughts, Michelle? Well, listeners, I I'm encouraged that you are listening to these words. If you are listening, you're already dealing with changes in your life because this podcast is about is aimed at people that are dealing with empty nest things. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I celebrate you being here. And I'm grateful, Charlotte, for for a conversation about these things. There's a lot of different ways when we're in that U curve to understand it. But um, the more that we can kind of bring light to it, bring God's light to it. Um, we find we are not alone, even That's in the dark. Absolutely. Perfectly said. And, and Michelle and I agreed to be praying for every listener and you have our prayers. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Michelle, thank you for your time, for your wonderful book, your writings, Listeners, go read more of what she's written. She does have a lot to say, but I believe it's because the Lord has asked her to say it. So, um, Michelle, thank you so much. And well, listeners, next time we'll see you soon. And until then, stay healthy and hopeful and tune into other episodes. 